0: Church, will you stand with me and turn to Genesis chapter 17 in your Bibles today? We're going to read verses 1 through 5, and then 15 and 16. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. God Almighty, serve me faithfully, live a blameless life, and I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. I will no longer, you, it will no longer be Abraham. Abraham. Instead, you will be called Abram. I'm sorry, sorry. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. And skipping down to verse 15, then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Father God, I know that you have a good word that you want to impart to us today, Father. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open right now to receive from your spirit, Father. That our ears, anything that's blocking them would just disappear, Father, God. I pray anything that's hindering, God, this message to come into our hearts and into our lives today, God, would be removed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Church, you can take a seat. Good morning, Church on the Rock. It's good to be with you today. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's at least one-sided I don't know I don't know it's really good to be with you today hey we're a responsive church let's go I want to tell you a quick little story in uh, when I was 15 years old, I've got, I received my one and only nickname. When I was 15, I went to Miracle Mountain Ranch for the first time. I've told you stories of Miracle Mountain Ranch before. This is the place that I spent four weeks my first year going just volunteering as a farmhand. It's the place where we picked rocks out of a field, through bales of hay, dug holes, filled holes. Like, it was just a place for young kids to go work and just have fun, though. And and so it was a place of fun. It's places where we could get lost going hiking and bouldering. It was a place where we'd sneak out at night and go and camp under the stars in the fields. It's the place where Joel and uh, Gabby Baby, we, he would, they would sell, like, auction huge, pointy, dangerous knives behind the bathroom stalls, okay? Like, it's the place where we could go buy big knives for candy, Okay, that's the kind of fun we're having. And it's also the place where you can sneak 10 or 15 lizards into your bunkmate's pillowcase. It was that kind of place. So I, I don't know if you knew this, but I've always been kind of just a loud person. I've just always just kind of been loud and... uh often people will call me crazy, just kind of in your face and just blah, blah. And so it's not really, it's just kind of tapered a little bit over the years. So me 20-ish years ago or whatever was even crazier than I am today. And so very quickly, one of my roommates gave me the name Fucha. It's the one and only nickname I've ever had. And very, very quickly, that name caught fire, and everybody started knowing me as Fucha. And very very quickly, like Master Disguise says, I became another person. Okay, Josh was gone, and the only person that was left was Fucha. Even top staff was calling me Fucha, and I didn't realize till later that that stood for fool child, and that's what they were calling me. By that time, though, it was stuck and it was in place, and I was known from that day on at that place as Fucha. You know, even now, if I was to be called that name, because nobody knew me in my real life, nobody back home, none of my friends from home, none of my family, it was a camp-specific thing. But if you called me Fu right now, all the labels I have right now, pastor or father or husband or adult, all those things get stripped away, and I go immediately back to being a 15-year-old at a camp just trying to have fun and enjoy my friends. What is the power in a name? What is the power in a name? What's in a name? That's really what we're studying today in our text and looking over at this name exchange that happens to Abram, now Abraham today. You know, we all know the saying, the sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never You guys know it. They don't know it. We'll teach them later after class. So we all know, though, that that is a load of junk. Like, that is not true. Like, break my bones, hit me with sticks, but please do not call me mean things. Those things last forever. And this is actually biblical. Did you know that? Thank you. (laughs) All right, go ahead of the class. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21 says it this way. It says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap consequences. James 3 tells it another way. It talks about how our tongue is like the bit to a horse or the rudder to a ship. A very small thing that conducts and moves and sets in motion great powers in the world. Your your tongue controls that much power in life. So what's happening in 17, chapter 17? Three major things stick out to me in these verses. And I'm going to give you right at the very top, I want to give you all three points today, okay? Uh, And we're going to spend the rest of our time breaking down. But here's the deal. I'm going to give them all three to you, but you must be interactive with me today, okay? All right, good. Here we go. So number three things that naming does, this naming exchange does, if you're taking notes today on your phone, you can go through the app, I believe it's there, or you can just take it on the pen and paper in front of you. But three things, especially when God's involved. Naming does, one, displays authority and power. Two, it reveals intimacy. And three, it projects identity, displays authority and power, reveals intimacy, and projects identity. We naturally, we naturally just name the things and under our sphere of influence. I mean, the, 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 the example that comes right to my mind is our kids. We, they're under our sphere of influence and we assert our power and authority to name them. But even our kids do that too right? From the time they can talk, they start naming things under their sphere of influence. My kid, Noble, when he was maybe two and a half or three years old, pretty quick to when he just started talking, his stuffed animals, he has two specifically that have still kept their names to this day. The first is Monkey Bar and the other one is Store Truck. He named his dog Store Truck and that was under his sphere of influence and that's what he named it and that's what it still is today, his dog Store Truck. But this actually goes back to the very beginning of man. So we're going to turn just a few chapters back in Genesis, and I want you to turn all the way to chapter 2. I feel like I'm talking so fast. I'm going to just take a deep breath. We're going to keep going. <laughs> oh, I have Half a pot of coffee today, Julie. It was, I was a little tired this morning. But I'm not now. Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 20. So the Lord God formed man from the ground and all the wild animals and—oh, sorry, sorry. I'm going to use this again. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. and He brought them to man to see what he would call them. The man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. From the very beginning of the creation story, God empowers Adam, empowers him to go and name the things. Gives him authority, gives him the power to name the things under his influence. Go out and name all these birds, name all these animals. But it is much, much more than just a man naming his pet. There's much, much more behind this because like we already said, I believe there is power in our words. So where does that power come from? It comes from God. In Genesis chapter 1, if you back up one more chapter, it's verse 3. It says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, and the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness night. Evening passed, and morning came, making the first day. We see this creation, this speaking language again and again and again in this chapter. God just speaking things into being, merely using words. He speaks the names and they spring forth to reality and with purpose. We see God again and again just saying plants and sky and moon and suns and he puts seasons and all of these things come from creator God with the power of his words. So how does that transcend to us? So if you go a little bit farther in 26, chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And how does God make man? You know, man was not spoken into being. Creation was spoken into being. Light, sea, all these things, boom, sun, stars, boom, they're there. But when he makes us, he takes earth, he takes the dust, and he forms it and molds it and makes man. And then the scripture says in chapter 2 that he breathes life into him. And so you're this mixture in the image of your father creator of something formed from creation that was spoken by God's words, and you have the breath of God inside of you. I believe and interpret that as your soul, that you have that spiritual part attached to your physical body because God breathed his life into you. And not only that, you were made in his image to be a reflection or to be the likeness of God. You know that thing when you see two kids and you just say, oh, you guys are sisters. I can tell which parent you look like because you were created in that person's image. You inherited their attributes and their features. You know, I look at our kids and our kids are just this incredible mixture of both me and Amy and how they think and how they process their emotions and how they look. And you can see all these things of like, they got that from your side (laughs) or they got that from your side, right? And you see all the things of those things are reflections of the parents. You have a reflection of your parent. And part of that reflection is that you inherited a power to your words. Proverbs 18, you have life and death in your words. James 3, you are able to steer mighty forces with just your words. In Genesis 2, here's the authority and the power, Adam. Come and name all of these things. So we see God using his authority as creator God in Abraham's life to come and say, Abraham, I am your father. And I get to speak into your life. No longer is your name Abram. It's now Abraham, father of multitudes. And he gives Abraham a new name to set his life on a different trajectory. Your naming displays the power and the authority of the person naming. But it also reveals the intimacy between those people. You know, Abraham had been following God intentionally for over 24 years. When we meet Abraham in Genesis 12, he got stuck in Haran. I don't remember if you remember that, but he got stuck in Haran. And it says that Abraham was 75 years old when he spoke to God. Or God spoke to him. And now you fast forward 24 years later, and he's 99 years old. And from the very beginning, God had promised Abraham a bunch of different things. Uh, Some of those things had been accomplished. The blessings and the protection and those things had been accomplished. But there are major parts of that covenant or that spoken promise that had not happened yet. And one of those was many descendants. Many descendants. He is now 99 years old and had not had his child yet. Abraham intentionally over those 24 years grown closer to God and God took full advantage of it. You know, he for 24 years, he's been following God, building altars, worshiping God, sitting, talking, waiting, and seeking the direction of God. And because of that time and intentionality, it built an intimacy between God and Abraham. Something he didn't come just day one and saying, Abram, your name's Abraham, and I want you to follow me. No, it was 24 years of seeking God. Some of us in this room have been seeking God for longer than that. Some of us have been seeking God, and 24 years sounds incredibly long amount of time, and some of us have not even started that journey yet. But know that with that time and intentionality, your intimacy with the Father grows. You know, in the Bible, we see people that experience God, and when they experience him, more parts of God are revealed to them. It's a story that we skipped over this time because we're really focusing on Abraham, but a few chapters ago, there's a, there's a servant named Hagar. Hagar. And she is so mistreated and has such a hurtful experience that she runs away from Abraham, from Sarah, and that she is lost in the wilderness, about to die. And God shows up and she gives God this name. I will now call you the God that sees me. Not my master's God, not Sarah's God, not Abraham's God, but my God, the God that sees me. Through circumstance, through experience, and through time and through intentionality, the intimacy between a person and their God can grow. Maybe you're sitting here today and saying, how do I know that a God is real? How do you hear that voice? I hear people all the time say, God, speak to me or something like that. How do that? Because it's intentionality. Situations. And through those experiences, your relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit grows. And with that growing relationship comes a deeper level of intimacy. You know, when relationships ramp up in intimacy, that's when the nicknames come out. That's when new names come out, like Dreamboat, Honey, Baby, Lover, Fucha. <laughs> you know, our kids, we call them uh, Bean and Bug and nobs. okay? And we throw those terms around all the time. I know that I'm using the word baby a lot to them because yesterday my, my five year old said uh, to our dog, Oh, baby, what's the matter? And you're like, what? No, that's the mutt. You're the baby. Know your places, okay? But increasing intimacy creates more names. And so we see Abraham having an increased intimacy with God. And 17, there's a progressive revealing of this. And over 24 years, this exchange goes both ways, which is really cool here. Before God gives Abram a new name, Abraham, he reveals another name for himself, El Shaddai. And that is very important in this exchange. This is the first time, maybe if you're an Amy Grant fan, you've heard the song and you know El Shaddai. It's not a term we use very much, very often now. But this was a big thing in the 90s where we'd hear El Shaddai all the time. My mom played it on the radio all the time. Every week at church we would sing El Shaddai for like five years straight. I am not exaggerating that. Five years, El Shaddai, every week, okay? But El Shaddai, is the first time God reveals himself to us, to Abram, with this new part of his person. I am El Shaddai, Abram. And that means and translates as God almighty. What he's doing here is he's trying to set up what he's going to speak over Abraham. He's trying to tell him, he's saying, Abram, I know it's been 24 years that I've promised you that you're going to have descendants. I know that you've been waiting. I know that you've been sitting. I know that you've just been here and I've been telling you again and again and again, and it's not happened. But Abram, I am God almighty. This name speaks to his power compared to human frailty, his omnipotence, his all-surrounding, all-encompassing power to assert it when he will and when he chooses. He's working to expand Abraham's awareness of his character to draw him in to know him better and more fully. God is revealing himself more deeply to Abraham than he is yet in 24 years of Abraham intentionally seeking him. And we see that Abram has this disbelief in his mind. In 17 and 18, Abram bows down to the ground. He says, but he laughed to the, himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. How can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abram said to God. Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. It's been so long for Abraham and Sarah that they think there's no way that God's going to accomplish this how we thought it's clearly past our time to have children. And so if you remember from a few weeks ago, the forced blessing, the way we went and manipulated God's word for ourselves was a result of Ishmael. This must be the answer. It wasn't what we expected, but thank God we interacted and intervened because God would have been made a liar. And God tells him, no, I will bless Ishmael. Because did you know that every mistake God can turn into a blessing? Did you know that every time you make a mishap, God can use that to grow something good in you and actually become, you know, some of my greatest weaknesses, some of my greatest mistakes, some of my greatest sins in my life have been forms of ministry or blessing that God uses the most through my life. It's not my choice. I'm like, God can use the things I'm good at or did well, not the areas that I really just messed it up. But God can turn any of those things into good things. But he's saying, no, Abram. That's not what I'm doing. I'm sticking to my original plan because I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. And I can use and do anything I want to do, even if it's physically impossible, even if it's outside of this means. Could you imagine Abram? Abram means exalted father. And can you imagine that for 24, two and a half decades, Abram's been going around, exalted father, exalted father. At some point, does that just feel like a slap in the face? Exalted father, he barely has one kid, and it's not even from his own wife. Exalted father, how, how are you? It makes it harder. God promised him these multitude of descendants. Exalted father, how is that possible? I wonder if that name was even hurtful to Abram. And I love the irony of that God is saying, I'm going to change your name, not just from exalted father, but to father of multitudes. Because God's not shy about his promises. God's not like, uh, I don't know if I have enough money in the bank. He, he can cover his word. Amen? And to top it off, he brings Sarah into the picture too. Abram, I want to be very specific with you. You are going to be the father of multitudes and not from another wife, from your wife, Sarah. She will change her name from princess to mother of nations. And from her descendants, kings will come. And God brings Sarah into the picture as well to take an impossible situation and use it for his glory. So many times God waits till the situation is impossible because he knows how we're geared up. He knows that we like to think of all the logical explanations. He knows that we like to take any moment that we can for our own glory, our own pride. It sneaks in there. And so many times in the Bible, God picks the weakest, the smallest, the least likely to accomplish his will and says, I will work through you so that there can be no doubt that I am God. El Shaddai, almighty God. Abraham, I am God. God. One pastor says it this way: No, no, okay, no. God, he can't. He's not going to make a rock so heavy he can't lift it. He won't heat a burrito in the microwave so hot he can't eat it. But if he wants to use a crusty old man and a woman well past menopause to have a baby, he can, and he did. I was expecting more, uh, you know, feedback from you at that moment because I was getting excited about it and my voice was going higher. Naming reveals power and authority, and it reveals the intimacy that you have with the person that's doing the naming. God reveals and gives a name in chapter 17, but at the root of this exchange is a display of gut-level, honest feelings, trust, and reassurance. It's the kind of intimacy that's born out of years of getting to know one another better and better. You know, this past week, just going about normal life, something that really really was brought to my attention is that we, we naturally gravitate to laser focus in in our current circumstances. It's so easy to think about our days right now that they're not just today, it's forever. That what's happening right now doesn't have an end period. The season isn't seasonal, it just feels forever. And when those days string into weeks and the weeks into years, it's so easy to lose the hope for change. And I wonder if that's what happened to Abraham, is that years, 24 years, and when physically they could no longer have kids in their minds, the hope of change was gone. You know, when I say something to you and I name something to you, I'm literally identifying that thing, and it's usually attached with a purpose— If I say pizza, give me a pizza, and I hand you a cupcake, you're going to be very confused. Because you said pizza, and you know what pizza, especially being Chicago people is, pizza. Okay, we know what that is. It's round and has sauce and it has cheese. And I'm not expecting something round, but it's made a cake and have frosting. That's not a pizza. When you name something, you are stating its purpose and identifying it. Did you know that your name states a purpose and identifies you. So what God's doing here is that he not only is using his power, using his authority, showing the intimacy, he is projecting an identity forward for Abraham to grow into. Too often we get stuck in the moment right here. It's not happening right now. And we might get dismayed. Maybe you had a name for yourself. Maybe it was going to be patient father. Or maybe just the label mother or spouse. Or maybe you had a name for yourself, a career goal of I'm going to reach this title in my job or that dollar amount. Or maybe God spoke something over to you. Well, any of you are all raised in this church or raised in the Assemblies of God and you've been exposed to camp where people pray for you and say, I feel like this was a word from God from you. But you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you're like, it's not happened. I'm a failure. It's not happened. God must be a liar. And it's so easy to get stuck into the moments where it's not happened and saying, this is my forever. Today is forever, and nothing will ever change. And what I love what God does, he changes four people's names in the Bible. And every one of those is something that he took, and he changed the trajectory of their life. You're not just going to be a princess, Sarah. You're going to be the mother of nations. You're not just going to be a father, Abraham. You're going to be the father of multitudes. He talks to Jacob about not being deceiver, but becoming Israel, the nation, his blessing child. He takes these people and he renames them and sets the identity. And we think we're not prepared. We're not ready. We can't. It's not happening right now. But God takes a person. He says, this is the trajectory that I'm setting for you to live into and to grow into. This is who you could become. This is how I see you and how I see you ending up. If you stay close, if you follow me, if you keep your altar warm and hot and stay close to me, this is the person that I've destined you to become. That's the calling of God on your life. And it's not too late. Maybe you're sitting here today and you feel like you've missed it. Or God's been slow and just is not accomplishing his word to you. El Shaddai, God Almighty, swoops in at the ripe young age of 99 years old for Abraham and says, I'm changing your name to Abraham, father of multitudes. He's giving him and naming him and setting identity that he can map out and say, this is the trajectory I've set for you. You could walk into this. I love what God's doing here for Abraham. Abraham. I love that he's reminding Abraham. You know the power in the name. You speak it, people call you it. It's a reminder every time you hear it of the calling over your life. Father of multitudes, come here. What's your name? My name's Father of Multitudes. Hi, my name's this. My name's Mother of Nations. Can you imagine the feeling of Abraham? God, it's been 24 years. Where are you? Why haven't you shown up? Father of multitudes, I'm El Shaddai. I'm God Almighty. Mother of nations, don't scoff. Don't disbelieve. I'm God Almighty. And it's just this direct reminder to them day in and day out of the name that God placed over them and the trajectory that he put over their lives. You know, just really quick side note. Maybe you've never had somebody... Maybe you've never gotten that word, like a prophetic word spoken over you, prayed over you. I encourage you to come out Tuesday night. This Tuesday night, we have Pastor Norma and her team. And last Tuesday, where our congregation got to practice speaking out prophetic words. It is powerful, and it's encouraging. I encourage you, if you've never done that, come Tuesday. Come to the prayer. Come to the altar call. Trust, ask somebody that you know what's on the prayer team or somebody you trust. Would you pray for me? Would you see if God has something... Encouraging to share with you, maybe through you to me. That's just a side note. Your name sets a course for you to identify with, to grow into, and your name is not stagnant. It can change. God changes people's names. Maybe you've been living a name that's been true for you, but it's not the name that God intended for you. It can change today. Maybe you've been living into a lie that was spoken over to you, a lie that you grabbed to because your days just are not turning out how you wanted them to. But it can change. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. Names display the power and authority of one in charge. They reveal the intimacy of the ones in, uh, together and they projects identity over that person. But church, I want to issue a warning to you. In John chapter 10, it says this. 1 through 5, it says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate, most surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he him because they know his voice they won't follow a stranger they will run from him because they don't know his voice be careful of the voices you are listening to i'm in a stage of life right now that when we get together with my wife's side of the family there's eight grandkids right now almost nine six of them are un- seven of them are under the age of six And so we're at this place in life where the kids can disappear and play for hours, but there's also a place of life where there's a lot of crying still. Like, this one punched me, or this one won't let me play, this one won't let me be a dog. Whatever the circumstance, there's lots of crying. And you know what we do as parents, as six parents, we hear a crying somewhere, basement or room or whatever, and we all stop and we go, that's my kid. Or we go, that's not my kid. And we either get up and go do something about it, or we lean back and we're just like, it's your kid. I don't know, so you, you figure it out. It's, it's his arm, I don't care. So we do those things because us as parents know their voice. But if I presented eight kids, that are all crying at the same time for you, would you know their voice? Probably not, because you're not their parent. I know my kid's voice. And when I say, hey, time to go, they know who's speaking because they know my voice. The child knows the father's voice, the parent's voice. There are so many voices in your life that want to speak over you. People, we've all been given power in our words, but not all of us steward that power well. And maybe you've picked up a label along the way of life that was not supposed to be spoken over you, but you listened to that voice and you took it on, and that person is actually abuse instead of love. Those labels can look like failure, or stupid, or fat, or skinny, or ugly, not gonna accomplish anything, worthless, never gonna amount to anything, the black sheep of the family. Those names can be any negative thing that you hold on to, but that's not the name that God gave you. Who's your father? Who's the shepherd? Are you spending time intentionally knowing his voice so that when God speaks over you, you say, that's the father. That's the name I'm supposed to live into, even if it's not happening right now. Father of multitude, I only have one half kid. But God was speaking over his life and setting a trajectory for him to grow and live into And so there's a couple ways you can respond to the message today, I think. God, I'm sure, has many other ways. But here's a couple ways as I was praying and thinking about it that you might respond today today's message. The band's going to come on. The lights will come off. We're going to just play one song as we close. I know we're going a little bit late today, but I believe that this is worth the time today. Is I think that maybe you could pray for, maybe you need a name change today. Maybe you've been living a lie or a name spoken over you that's not the name that's for you, that God intended for you. Maybe you need a reminder of who God is, El Shaddai God. Maybe you need a reminder of who he is and working in you, and you can pray, God, who are you? Would you tell me? And maybe you need to break off some things that were spoken over you, things that don't line up with who God is, or maybe you just need a a new trajectory set. I've been living this person for so long, uh, but what's my next 10 or 20 or 30 of the rest of my life years look like? Who's the person you're setting me up to become and live into? So as the band prays, I would encourage you with these to make it very simple. These three different prayers. God, who do you say you are? God, who do you say I am? And then simply wait and listen. What is he reminding you of today? I'm going to pray over you. There's prayer team members here. And there's a prayer team member, Pastor Joe's in the back. Or you can come and grab me in the front row. But I'm going to pray over you. The band will play, and then we will dismiss. But I believe that God wants to speak to you in this moment. So, Father God, we just praise you today. Thank you, God, that you are the one with the authority and the power to speak names over our lives, God. That you are the one, God. You are the only one that has the right to set the identity and to project the the path for us, Father God. I pray right now that those lies, God, will come to the forefront of our mind. Things we were believing that we didn't even know that we were speaking over our lives, God. I pray those things will come right to the top, God. And that you would break them off in the name of the Holy Spirit, Father. In the name of Jesus, would you speak over us, Father. And Lord, I pray for bravery and courage from our people today. I pray for a people, God, that if those things are coming up, if an action step is needed to come forward for prayer or to pray in the seat or to come find somebody after service, God, you would give us the boldness to do that. All honor and glory to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.